It's wrestling season. I'm a, for those who are visiting, and I'm a wrestling coach at uh, Canyon View High School. And so uh, we, we competed Thursday night, uh, went 2-0. and Then we went to Vegas, and there was over 25, I think it was 27 teams or something like that. And uh, believe it or not, I was actually very impressed. We ended up 8-1. and one. We ended up in finals. Uh, so uh, we did really well. And uh, we lost by only four points to Temecula, California. Uh, and Temecula, California has kind of been known for quite, basically being a powerhouse. Uh, and it's really, I hate losing to Californians. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ugh, you know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was great. We had a lot of fun. Thank you for your prayers. And it's just really amazing to see uh, how well they're doing. And I think my voice is either getting stronger or I have more wisdom and I just yell less because I don't think they listen to anything that I'm saying anyway. Kind of like my kids and your kids, right? You just keep talking and they don't listen. Uh, so, so thank you for your prayers. And, uh, and I know our, some of the ones went from our church. We have a number of wrestlers in our church, guys and girls. And uh, they were competing throughout the week. It's good to see them healthy and doing well. Uh, we'll go to Luke chapter 1. And uh, look at this guy right here. We're going to talk about the announcements uh, of the angel Gabriel. Um, man, that guy's jacked. How would you like to meet that angel in the dark alley? I was going to joke and say that I posed for it, but the guy has hair, and that's the only difference I see. It's about the only difference I can see based on that picture. It's the hair, but... Uh... Yeah, oh yeah, well, I knew someone else would bring that up too. All right, so Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses, it's kind of a long passage. Verses 5 through 45, uh, but I think it'll be very helpful, very practical. We're going to kind of begin a few uh, weeks here kind of looking at Christmas and the coming of our Savior. And we're going to see that there was some announcements that were made by the angel Gabriel that came and, and makes this announcement to Zacharias about the birth of John, the, the forerunner of, of Christ. And then we're going to see the announcement to Mary here in just a moment. And so, many are probably familiar with this passage, but if you would, let's just kind of follow along and we'll jump right into the message this morning. It says this, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, or Zacharias, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, and they were observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And notice this, they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving uh, as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. They would cast lots. And it just so happens that coincidentally, it happened to be Zechariah. Obviously, this was God moving, God working, so that he can have this appointment with him, it says, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. It says, and when the, the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let me go back once more. Yeah. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared to him, 
Zacharias, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people. Notice he he quotes the Old Testament. We'll see this in a moment. But to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel Lord, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well uh, along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, The people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering, why has he stayed in the temple so long? And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When this time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has, uh, says, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, notice this. God sent the angel Gabriel again, but notice to who? He sends it to, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name, was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word, uh, for no word from God will ever fail. Listen to those words. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. 
Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea. It's a hundred mile journey from Nazareth to just the outskirts of Jerusalem where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb, that's John, John the Baptist, leaped for joy. Listen to what she says. Listen to these words. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Boy, there's great power in belief, in trusting God. Let's pray this morning. May you bless the reading of your word, Father. I pray you would bless... Word the scriptures this morning, and Lord, a very familiar passage just to so many of us. Lord, a very familiar passage. I just pray that, Lord, that as we look at the announcements that were made to Zechariah and to this woman, Mary, Lord, I pray that we would see that you are such an awesome God, that you are a personal God, that you are an intimate God, and that you know all about us. That you are not just someone who's just out there somewhere and that you're not concerned and you're not involved in our everyday lives. Oh, you are such an awesome God. And we see that you love your creation and that you desire fellowship and intimacy with your creation. And and Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the the story, the Christmas story, a story of, of hope. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray there would be a blessing to each one this morning. In your name we pray, amen. It is that time of year, it's Christmas, right? Christmas season, all the signs of the times. I know when Christmas is getting close, one thing I notice is when I look in the, where, the, where all the milk, you know, where all the good milk is, like chocolate milk, you know, there's eggnog. Who drinks that stuff, by the way? How many of you are eggnog fans? Oh, we got to pray for you. Eggnog. That's when I know it's getting close, you know. I mean, I don't even know what that stuff is, you know. I'm not sure what, who came up with that concoction. But anyway, you know, you start seeing eggnog. You start seeing, obviously, we've seen the Christmas decorations, the Christmas music. The Christmas trees are going up. You know, even as you drive through town in the last week or two, you see trees on top of cars, right? And people getting their Christmas tree and decorating the tree and the decorations and the lights. And, uh, you know, uh, we think of Christmas music playing everywhere all the time, you know. Uh, And we think of things like pies and cookies and Fudge and, and some of your favorite, yes, your favorite, right up there with eggnog, fruitcake, you know? I know a few fruitcakes, but anyway, you know, I'm not a fruitcake fan either, so sorry. Uh, please, please, no, no gag gifts either, please. But we know that Christmas coming, and in our, in, in our area, you know, we start to think about a white Christmas. We see the snow, and, and these are the signs These are the signs of the coming of the season. But I want you to to go back with me a couple thousand years, and we're going to look at the the signs and the coming of the birth of Christ. 
And we're going to see that, that, that God is at, at work and that God is moving and God is working. We're going to see that as we read this, this, this amazing account of, of how the angel Gabriel was sent to kind of begin to initiate the coming of Christ. Let me remind us all that Christmas, yes, we think about Christmas, yes, it's family, yes, it's people do gifts, and, and I'm not knocking any of those things, but let's all be reminded that Christmas so many times can become so materialized and we can get so consumed in, the, in, in this consumer mentality of, of that Christmas is about the gifts and the toys and, and the food and all of those things. But let's do our best as Christ followers to keep Christ in Christmas. Amen? Let's really do that. And so... Christmas is a celebration of the coming of the Christ child and in the birth of our Savior. But leading up to the birth of our Savior, I want you to, to see that, that there was a number of things that, that are going on and that take place. And I, I want to remind you of something, and that is this, is that when the angel Gabriel comes and, and he speaks and makes this announcement, this proclamation to Zechariah, Zechariah is in the temple he is married to a woman by the name of Elizabeth, and they're actually relatives, many people believe to be like the aunt of, of Mary, the aunt and uncle of Mary. And so we have Zechariah, this older man who is, is serving as a priest, and it just so happens, not by coincidence, but God had it scheduled that in the course of time, in God's sovereignty, that this man would be in the temple at this, this moment of time. Because it's going to be through this couple who are not ever able to have a child, who are praying and begging God for a child, that God is going to use this man by the name of Zacharias, a man, the Bible says, who was godly and who was righteous. He and his wife were faithful to God. He's going to use them to bring in the, the forerunner of Christ. And there, he's going to use them to be the parents of a very important, important prophet. And his name will be John the Baptist. He was called John. And the reason why he's called John the Baptist is because of, obviously he went out and he baptized. So he's referred to as John the Baptizer. Many of you are familiar with him. But we're looking at his parents and how his father was a priest, and, and how uh, he's going to receive this, this proclamation from God through the angel Gabriel. Now, I want to remind you of something, and this is what we often forget about when we think about the Christmas story and what's leading up to the Christmas story, and that is this, is that this is what they call in theology the silent years, where it's silent, where there were no prophecies, you see, the last prophet to speak was that of Malachi. And Malachi is the last prophet to speak. And for 400 years, as far as we know, there were no prophecies. There were no visions. There were no miracles. There was no revelation. There were no angelic visits. These were what's referred to as the silent years. It is though as if God went silent, as if there was no interaction between God and man. Not saying that there weren't some cases, but the idea is this, is it was referred to as the silent years. For 400 years, they're waiting. Where is God? What is God doing? And all of a sudden, this day that 
Zacharias goes into the temple. The people are outside praying. And there's a whole lot of kind of history behind that. It's because it's a very sacred thing when the priests would go in to the temple. When you go into the temple and prior to the building of the temple and they would go into the tabernacle, it was a very serious thing. In fact, some theologians say this, and there's, I think, quite a bit of evidence to, to believe this to be true, that when they would go into the temple and when they would go in at different times to offer sacrifices, the people outside were praying because they wanted the priest, as he was going in, to be acceptable to God. There is an account in the Old Testament, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, when they went into the tabernacle, they were not pleasing to God, and God smote them, God killed them. Some theologians say that when the priests would go in, they would wear bells on their garments and they could hear the priests as they were moving in the tabernacle or temple. And I've also read where they would even tie a rope, maybe because of what happened in Nadab and Abihu. But when they would go in to those holy places that if God were to smite them dead and they would be in there for a long period of time and they wouldn't hear the bells ringing, that they would pull them out. Now, I don't know how true all of that is. But I will say this, is that the temple and the tabernacle there in the presence of God was a very sacred place. And they did not go in there flippantly. And so as the people were praying, the Bible says that because Zacharias was in there for so long, they began to wonder what's happening, what, went, went, what is going on in there. Maybe, maybe there was a visitation from God. Maybe God has finally spoken. And so Zacharias is there, and he's at the altar of incense, and as he's about to uh, light the incense, and as he's there serving, the Bible says the angel, the Gabriel, appears to him, and he says this, he calls him by name. He calls him by name, and he says, hey, Zacharias, the Lord has heard your prayer. He says, not only do I know your name, but I also know what your prayers are. The Lord has heard your prayers. And he mentions his wife, Elizabeth. He knows his wife, Elizabeth, by name. Surely at this point, Zacharias realizes this is an angel. Why? I mean, how does he know my name? How does he know my prayers? How does he know my wife's names? And here's the other thing. How is he in this presence? How is he in this place without God killing him? He is not a mere man. This is the angel from God, a messenger. And he tells him, and he quotes to him from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Notice what he says, I will send my messenger. Remember, for 400 years, there's silence. Let me make a statement for you. The Lord gave this to me this week, and it may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. And that is this, just because God is silent does not mean that God is not sovereign. Let that sink in. Just because sometimes you cannot hear from God or maybe you're not hearing his voice and you're, not, you're wondering where is God does not mean that God is not sovereign and that God is not in control. For 400 years, God, so to speak, to man, it appears as though God is silent, as though that, that where is God? Where, we, where is God? Where is God in all of this? And we see here that the prophecy of Malachi says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. He says, then suddenly the Lord 
you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The last prophecy, the last voice that we hear from God to the people of God was this, is that there will be one who will come and prepare the way. There will be one who will come, and he will be the forerunner. And when after that forerunner is there, suddenly, quickly, the Lord whom you are seeking, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that you are seeking, he will suddenly appear. He will be there. Just because God is silent does not mean that God is not sovereign. God is in control. Amen? And God is always at work. And so we see that Mike, that uh, Gabriel, the angel, has this interaction and makes this announcement. He announces to him that you will be the father of the forerunner of the Messiah. And I want you to notice the response of Zacharias. <laughs> His response is that of doubt. Now think about this. He's a high priest. He knows the prophecies. He knows the scriptures. He's a faithful man. He's blameless. He's well, well up in years. And when he's given this proclamation, when he's given this prophecy that you and your wife will give birth to a child, as you study the context here and you look at this passage, how did he respond? It was that of doubt. It was a lack of faith. A little bit of maybe possibly a little bit of sarcasm, like, well, how could this be? I'm old and my wife's beyond years. This can't be done. In fact, he kind of basically, in essence, says, will you give me a sign? And did you catch Gabriel's response to me, it is almost hilarious. He's like, I'm the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. What more of a sign could you, could you get? How many of us are like Zacharias sometimes? Lord, give me a sign. Lord, give me a sign. And many times God has given us plenty Plenty of evidence and plenty of proof. He's still saying, Lord, will you give me a sign? And his response was that of doubt, lack of faith. And he says, in essence, give me a sign. And Gabriel says, what more of a sign could you ask for? I am the angel Gabriel, the messenger angel of God. And I'm standing here in your presence. And I've told you exactly what God expects of you and what God is going to do. And I'm here to tell you this good news. And here you are doubting it. And because of your doubt and because of your lack of faith, what does he say to him? He says, you're going to not be able to speak until these things are fulfilled. And so now he can no longer speak. He understands it. Okay. And by the way, be careful what signs you ask for. Come on now. He did ask for a sign, right? He's like, all right, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Now you can't talk. And so now he has a whole nine months to go, man, I shouldn't, shouldn't have asked for that, you know? Now he has to wait nine months or so till the fulfillment of everything. Do you remember the name that he was told to give his son? We know him. What's his name? John. Do you remember as we read in the story in the account, it was this, is that 
when the child was born, it was time to, they, they would take the firstborn child, their son, and they would take him to dedicate, and they would give him his name. When that time came, everyone thought that he would probably name him Zacharias. You don't just, you name him after your own family members. That's what you do. That was their culture. And in fact, when the mother said, Elizabeth said, well, his name shall be John, the people argued. And the family members said, no. And don't you love meddling family members, by the way? Don't call them this. They're, you know, they're going to be made fun of for the rest of their life. You know, why'd you pick that name, you know? They're not going to be able to spell it until they're in 10th grade, you know? Well, why'd you spell it that way, Isaac? Why'd you spell it I-Z-A-K or whatever, you know? Meddling family members started to get involved, and they said, you can't name him John. You're not supposed to name him John. He was supposed to be kind of named after his father or a family member. And, and they said, no. And she said, no, that's not the case. And you remember what happens here as we read this account? The Bible says that finally, Zacharias, he has to write it out. His name shall be John. And so the Bible says at that moment, his tongue was loosed and he was able to speak and give praise and honor and glory to God. To me, it's very interesting because you know how I said that God moves and works and and God does not do anything by coincidence and that God has a purpose and God has a plan. Think about it like this. Just because God is silent does not mean that God is not sovereign. For 400 years up to this time, men were waiting to hear from God. When God brings his message to the angel Gabriel, he comes to a man by the name of Zacharias. And I love this. The name Zacharias means this. God remembers. God remembers. And he says to Zacharias, whenever you hear the name Zacharias, his name means God remembers. They would say literally, there goes God remembers. God remembers his promises, amen? God remembers his covenants, amen? God remembers. God heard the prayers of Zacharias. He heard the prayers of Elizabeth. God remembered their prayers. And in his sovereign will and his sovereign timing, he answered their prayers. And he said, you will have a son and you will name him John. And of all the names, why did we see the name John? It means this. The name John means this, that God is gracious. God is gracious. Think about this. Zacharias received the message from God, from, from uh, Gabriel, that says, in essence, he says, hey, God remembers. You know what God remembers? God remembers that God is gracious. Aren't you thankful for that? And then we're going to see the next announcement, and that's the announcement to Mary, to a young virgin. And so the angel Gabriel, as we read this morning, came to a little town in the Galilee area, to town of Nazareth. Of all the places, Nazareth. Nazareth was considered to be more of a poor, blue-collar town. It was mixed with both Jew and Gentile alike. In fact, in Scripture, people would say of Nazareth, it was even said and recorded in the Scriptures, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Does anything good come from there? Yet the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes 
to a poor, young little girl named Mary in her teenage years in Nazareth. And this angel brings the message. He brings the message to, to Mary that says, you will bear the Christ child. And by the way, he says, and you will name him Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus. We know that in short, to be Savior, but think about it. It literally means this, the Lord's salvation. Start putting this together. The messenger comes in a time where there was no revelation, a time where there were no miracles, a time where there is no prophecies, a time where it appears as though, if you will, God is silent and nothing is happening and nothing is going on. And the message comes to uh, Zacharias. And he, in Zacharias, we hear the name God remembers. He says, you will name your son John. Your son John's name means God is gracious. And why is God gracious? God is gracious because of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Emmanuel, Yeshua, that listen, he is the Lord's salvation. Salvation for one and all. Amen. The Lord's salvation. You will call him Yeshua. You will call him Jesus he will be called the son of God. Can you imagine Mary, this young girl, teenage girl, being visited by an angel and she's, in, she's terrified. And think about this now. He says, you're going to have the Christ child. Mary, not a priest, Mary, just a teenage girl, growing up in a poor town. The Bible, we, if you study the scriptures from poor families, is given this message that you are highly favored. And what is her response? She says, how can this thing be? She asks this sincere question, but her response was faith and sincerity and even confidence, she said, okay, let the Lord's will be done in my life. She accepted it. She was obedient to it. And she says, let the Lord's will be done in my life. Her response is, is tremendous. Now let me ask you a question. Which of these two announcements would be more difficult to accept and believe? The first one to Zacharias? Or the second one, to Mary? I would say the second one. I'll give you a couple reasons. One, Zacharias knew that God had already performed a miracle for Abraham and Sarah. Correct? To be able to have a child in their old age. God had already done that miracle before. Are you with me, church? God has done that before. And because God has done it before, God can do it again. But nowhere in the history of time has a, a woman who's a virgin ever conceived and had a child. In fact, even Mary says 
This, this seems impossible. I, I, I can't believe this. And what does the angel say? He says, for nothing is impossible with God. So which announcement was more difficult to comprehend and believe? I would say to you that Mary's was much more. Mary, Mary is going to be doing something that has never been done before and that God is going to do this miraculous thing. Are they both miracles? Yes. But listen, the miracle of an, of an old couple having a child had happened before and, and therefore Zacharias, being a man of God, could have said and should have said, well, God did this before. Surely he'll do it again. But what does he do? He doubts. Mary believes. Mary trusts God and believes. And she says, may it be to me as you have said. Later, Elizabeth says this. Elizabeth says to her, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her and what will be accomplished. Oh, may we be like Mary. Amen. May we be a Mary that when God says something, we trust it and we believe it. Here's a couple lessons. Got a couple minutes and we're done. Yeah, we're going fast. You're going to get out early today. Here's some lessons I learned, practical lessons in this passage. You ready? God answers prayer. Some of the first words the angel Gabriel says to Zacharias as he says this, the Lord has heard your prayers. It's not always in our timing. It's in his timing. But God answers prayer. Amen? God answers prayer. God keeps his word. We see in this passage the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the prophecies. There were over 300 prophecies concerning the coming of Christ. And for 400 years, the world saying, where is he? Where is he? God's people are saying, where is God? And just because God was silent did not mean that God was not at work. And I want to encourage you this morning that in your life that there may be seasons. There may be times in your life where you feel as though God is not at work. And as though you feel as though God is silent. And just because he's silent does not mean that he's not sovereign in your life and that God is at work. And when you pray and you're seeking God and you're, you're, you're wondering, why has God not heard my prayers? Can I tell you this? God does hear your prayers, but sometimes his answers are in his time and in his will. And so God answers prayer. God keeps his word. And I love this. As the scripture says here, as the angel Gabriel reminds Mary, he says this, for nothing is impossible with God. I want to encourage you, followers of Christ, that with God, all things are possible. The Christmas story is a story of hope. The Christmas story is a story that tells us that God does hear our prayers and that God does answer prayers. The Christmas story is a story of hope that says this, that God keeps his word. That when God makes promises and when God speaks, he 
He always keeps his word. He does, he does not go back on his word. And that you can take the promises of God and you can know that, that listen, God's word is true. It is. And you can be encouraged that the Christmas story is a story of hope because with God, all things are possible. I don't know what weight you may have, what load you may be carrying. I don't know what struggles you may be facing. I don't know what circumstances are going on in your life. But can I tell you something? That as you call out to God, know this, that just because God's silent does not mean he's not sovereign. And just because you've called out to God and you feel as though he has not heard your prayers, can I tell you something? God does does hear your prayers and that with God all things are possible. Amen? And believe him and trust him and trust his word. And we need to be like Mary that when the Bible says and gives us a promise from God that we can say, you know what? God's word is true. Your will be done. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Because if you don't, you might not be able to talk for a while. Just a joke. And some of you would say, well, that would be quite a blessing. <laughs> of all the people, John, when we think of the coming of John, Zacharias, of all the people, Zacharias should have known better, right? It's another little lesson in this story, and that is this. To whom much is given, much is required. You say, well, why did it seem as though Angel Gabriel and the Lord was a little bit harsher with, with Zacharias than he was with Mary when Mary questioned? And that is this. is because Zacharias was a priest, was the man of God, and he knew the promises, and as Mary too. But... He was, he's a priest. And he should have known better. And instead, he was questioning to whom, to whom much is given, much is required. Does that make sense? Expected more out of Zacharias than this young, young girl, teenage girl. But yet we see this young teenage girl, her faith, her trust in God. And the last lesson that I learned from all of this is this is that God is concerned about you. That God is concerned about me and he is concerned about you. And that God knows all about us. Amen? Jesus said when he was here on earth, he says, he knows the hairs on your head. He, I don't know why he uses that one, you know? He goes, I know the hairs on your head. He says, I know the sparrow that falls. He says, I know all about you. He says, I know the, the sparrow that falls. And he says, and how much more important are you to the Heavenly Father than that sparrow? You see, God knew all about Zacharias and Elizabeth and their prayers and their concerns. God knew about Mary knew who Mary was, who he had chosen. And can I say this? God is no respecter of persons. God knows all about you. God is not this 
distant God that's somehow way out there that just kind of flung everything out there and now just kind of lets it up to fate. Oh, no. There is a sovereign God, amen, who is at work in our lives. He's at work in your life. He is at work in, in my life. God is at work. He is sovereign, and he is a God who is personal and intimate. I love what David said. The Lord is, say it with me, my shepherd. Can you say it with me? The Lord is what? My shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? He wants to shepherd your heart and your life and your soul. He is a God who cares and who is concerned. He's an intimate God, a personal God. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And you know what he says? I what? I know them and they follow me. He desires to know you in a personal way. I, I am humbled that we have such an awesome God that with him all things are possible. But this awesome God, he is concerned about everything about us. Amen? And that he loves you and he cares about you. God answers prayer. God keeps his word. Amen? And with God all things are possible. Would you stand and pray with me this morning?